0: For drawings of land plot borders within vastizza, in which the color turquoise, along with characters, signifies the places in which the lands are disposed by Bena Probatum or concessione. Green signifies vineyards, and red is for land which remains public if rented uncultivated, which can be seen with distinction in the following drawings of this cadaster using the characters in the records which correspond to the characters notated in the drawing. This is from the Venetian Cadaster of Fastitza, published by Doko Sampanagopoulos in 1993, page 42. I'm Jen Glabius, and this is the Hellenaki Deep Dive, a podcast about mapping and analysis for historical and archaeological research. In this episode, I'll discuss the spatial data for Vostitza in the three time periods that we're looking at, and also look at other spatial data that will also be used in the various analyses yet to come. Let's dive in. The goals for this episode are to describe the spatial data that's available for our three periods of analysis for Bustica, so 1463, 1700, and then 1910. And then talk about any potential issues about using these data sets in general or with each other. The other goal is to briefly discuss other data that could be incorporated. So we're going to start with the middle time period, the 1700 Venetian cadastres, because that is the most detailed spatial data that we have. So the Venetian records themselves included records of how many trees of different sorts and houses and things were in each villa, as I described last, in the last episode. But each villa also included at least one map that showed individual plots of property and then was linked to information about how that land was owned and how much land it was in three measurement systems Four, if it was a vineyard and the name of the owner itself. So there's a ton of information that is there, including spatial information. But this is a lot, a lot, a lot of information. And to really truly use it means that each map would need to be digitized and then georeferenced into its correct place. So it would have been a gigantic jigsaw puzzle that's really difficult. And it's something I was looking at doing for my MA thesis when my advisor, Jack Davis, learned that there was a map of the territory of Vastitza also dating to 1700, so the same year as the cadastral records. And this map is not located in Venice, like the rest of the cadaster, but instead is located in the Kriegs Archive in Vienna. And this is because while Napoleon was in charge, the Austrian Empire had taken over Venice as well as much of northern Italy. And while there, they decided to scoop up some interesting maps. And so that's why you have a bunch of Venetian maps in Austria. Anyway... So this map of Vastica is located in Vienna. And through my advisor, I was able to get access to it and digitized it. It shows all of the villas in the Venetian cadaster. So it shows that information. In addition to the villa boundaries, it also shows locations of different places. So most of the places that are mentioned in the cadastral records, plus some things that are called like Paleo Castro, so Old Castle, things like that. Some locations of bridges and the rivers. So it has a lot of information. To use it properly, it needs to be georeferenced into the actual modern location. So For my thesis, I had a hard time doing this, but afterwards, I was able to place it so it fits on modern satellite imagery. And I redid this within this last year again, just to get it a little more accurate. But as you might expect for a map from 1700, it does not fit exactly onto the modern coastline especially, and it's difficult to match it up exactly because... The landmarks for matching to the modern are mostly villages, and they kind of fit but doesn't exactly due to the fact that we're trying to match up modern satellite imagery with a map that was created by really good cartographers from 1700 but who had less information than we have with satellite imagery. So it doesn't quite fit. But it fits pretty well. And you can see an image on the Halinaki website if you want to go look at it. From the map, I was able to digitize all of the villa boundaries and all of the place locations because it will come in useful. I was also able to find boundaries for all of the territories of the Venetian Morea. There's a layer on Wikimedia Commons the Regno di Morea SVG file which was based on information from the 1985 book Population and Settlements in the Peloponnese 13th through 18th centuries which is by Panagiotopoulos and it's from page 165 so i was able to modify modern areas of Greece into to fit the Venetian territory boundaries and then fix especially the area for vastitza because that didn't match up. And I wanted it to match up with the the 1700 map of the territory of Vastiza, And so I was able to do that. This is a lot of information. We have information about the villas. We have polygons of the villas. We have boundaries for the other territories. So there can be comparisons from territory to territory, as much information as there is for that. And we also have location so points for different place names you'll see why this is important for the next two time periods so with that let's talk about the 1463 ottoman Air, which if you remember the records are for different places most of them are known villages, a few that were places that are called mezara which were uninhabited. The work on this was done by the Leokopoulos, who wrote the book that I'm using as the source for this information. And he went through not just fastitza but all of the records, and tried to identify locations for each. And so anyone that He was able to locate. There are coordinates in a Greek system. And so most of the locations in Vastitsa are recorded, so have been identified. The ones that aren't are mostly these mesera, which there was no other information about exactly where they were located. And so there was land that was taxed, but no people living there. And no village, no other toponym for locating it. So this is all good. We have information that we can tie most of the locations for Vastitza. So then that can match up with place locations from the Venetian records, at least. So we do have information in that way. We can't go the other way. We can't then put the, the point locations from the Ottoman Defter into the villas of the Venetian records from seventeen hundred because they do not have the same boundaries. And this all goes back to the Ottoman system for taxation. It's based on a Timar system. So the idea was that it wasn't the land itself going to this Ottoman official, but basically a person somewhat like a knight would be given the income from this land. So the Timar himself, would then be able, when called upon, would be able to equip himself and others to go defend the Ottoman state. And so, it's not necessarily land itself, but tax revenue. And because of that, it does not correspond with the Venetian territory of Vasitza. Instead, you've got locations belonging to Vastitsa that would later belong to Kalavrita, the territory to the south of Vastitsa. And the other way around as well, there are locations within the Kalavrita portion of the Ottoman Defter that are definitely within the Venetian territory of Vastitsa. And so it makes it really difficult in some ways. You you can't go one to the other directly, but you have to actually massage the data a bit and say, okay, well, this is actually part of Batsitsa during this later period, and so on and so forth. So it can be done, but it is not straightforward in any way, shape, or form. Plus, there are locations that were not findable. Those toponyms, those names of those places just... Did not exist. Aliyah Kapoulos went through so many different sources. He did a really excellent job with that. Because he did such a great job, I was, I'm able to include the Ottoman defter in all the analyses I will be doing, but it's important to know that it's not one-to-one directly from the Ottoman defter to the Venetian records. All right, let's turn now to the population, and agricultural censuses from around 1910, from the modern Greek state. Now, because these aren't the newest, you would think that this would have the best data. And there is existing GIS data for Greek administrative districts, yes. And it's available online, and I've downloaded it. However, the system is undergone changes, especially in the last 30, 40 years. They've changed the system a couple of times. And they do have the older data, but it does not especially match up with the information in those two censuses from around 1910. So the easiest thing to do, again, was to use place names. So record the point locations that correspond with places named in those records, and here's something I didn't mention with the Ottoman records, but it's, it's true for both of them. Place names in both the Ottoman defter and in the 1910 censuses are not necessarily the same names that they have today. Especially during the 20th century, many place names changed to have either Byzantine or classical names. So, the best example is that the town of Vastitsa became Eggio, which had last been its name during the late Roman, early Byzantine period. And after Greek independence, the name of the town was changed back to Eggio. So, luckily, there is a database on a website, which I'll include the link in the show notes. The website is for the Institute for Neo-Hellenic Research, and the database is Name Changes of Settlements in Greece, and it's really, really good. It helped a lot for matching up. When I couldn't find a place mentioned in those records or in the Ottoman records, I did a search in that database and was usually able to find it. Some places I couldn't find that way, but I also have an atlas from the 1950s and that got me the rest of the way. It was super, super useful. Because I have point locations for all three time periods, that's going to be the primary way that I actually compare and analyze data from the three time periods. So let's turn to other spatial data that we have. The one that I'm mostly going to use is a digital elevation model. It's a form of data we call a raster, where it covers the entire area with little squares. And the size of the square tells us the resolution. The larger the square, the less information you have about that area. The DM I've been using is from SRTM and it's about 30 meters, but I just today found that there's a freely available DM that has a resolution of 25 meters, which isn't that much better. It's only 5 meter difference, but it's a little bit better resolution. And so I'm going to see about possibly using that 25 meter DM. So, elevation itself can be informa- can be interesting information that you can compare village locations, like what elevation are they found at? Is there a difference? There and we'll talk about that, especially with population, because there's a theory about population zones by time period. But the DEM can also be used to create other useful layers for analysis. We can look at the slope, how steep is the landscape or gentle throughout the area and especially surrounding the different locations because that should correlate with the types of crops. You can also calculate aspect, which direction a piece of land is pointing. Is it north-facing, east-facing, south-facing, west-facing? You have information about that, which can be informational. You can do other types of analysis, like to look at the ruggedness of an area, just get some information about what the terrain is like. We can look at other information as well, as long as we can tie it in to the spatial locations. So with that, what we're going to look at in the next episode is start looking at the analysis by looking at those environmental factors. So thinking about the terrain and information about that for the locations we have in all of the three time periods. For Endnotes, the mapping program I use is QGIS, which is open source and freely available. It takes a little bit of information to know how to use it, but it's a super powerful GIS software. For the Ottoman records, I'm using, of course, Leo Kapoulos's 2019 book, The Early Ottoman Peloponnese, which translates all of the information, basically has it into a table, and gives locations of all the places he was able to identify, which is great. For the Venetian period, there's Docos and Panagopoulos, 1993, the Venetian Cadaster of Vastitsa. While the records themselves are in the Venetian dialect of Italian, all the commentary is in Greek. For the modern Greek records, the Hellenic Statistical Service has a great website, and their digital library includes all of the the agricultural and population censuses that I'm using. You can download them as PDFs. They are not searchable PDFs, but they're available, and you can download them and look at this information. Email questions or comments to deepdive at helenaki.com or ask them on the Helenaki Deep Dive Facebook page. Show notes with links to resources mentioned in this episode will be available at helenaki.com that's H-E-L-O-N-A-K-I dot com. You can also find ways to support the show, now including merch such as t-shirts, mugs, and stickers with the Halinaki Deep Dive logo at com slash support. My thanks to Patreon supporters at the geospatial analyst level, Leah Varel and Janice and Jerry Farrell. Your support keeps the Helenaki Deep Dive going. The Halinaki Deep Dive is written and produced by me, Jen Globius of the Halanaki. The theme music is Deep Ocean Instrumental by Dan O. of danosongs.com. Additional sounds from zapsplat.com. Thanks for listening.